Welcome back. This is part two of this week's Troll. Guess what we've got for you, listener? We've got good news. In Ooh. fact, I saw this story. This shows you the calibre of like mine and Gemma's relationship. We're such nerds. I saw this story in The Guardian and I immediately WhatsApp Gemma to say, oh my God, look at this, with like praising hands emoji. It looks... <laughs> and I had already seen it and I was like, I know, I know, it's amazing. <laughs> We're so sad. <laughs> Democracy nerds. Um, so it looks like Starmer is set to stand by his pledge, thank God, one of them, to abolish... The House of Lords, or at least make progress towards abolishing it. So the Observer article said, Keir Starmer plans to strip PM's powers to make Lords appointments after public faith undermined by Tory leaders in handing peerages to lackeys and donors. So a lot of people were welcoming of this. People like Anna Subri, who's an ex-Tory MP, and singer-songwriter Billy Bragg as well, who tweeted, This is very encouraging. A reform of the Lords may not be high on the wish list of the electorate, but done right, it has the potential to restore trust by giving voters a greater sense of agency and making Westminster more accountable. Now, right, I don't know if you know this, and it was actually news to me, but we have got almost 800 Lords in our House of Lords. That's a joke. But it's 784 to be precise. But we've only got 650 MPs, more or less. I mean, we keep mm. losing them to, like, sexual um, grievances and stuff like that. <laughs> which which makes the Lords the only upper house in, of any dual chamber parliament in the world to be larger than its lower house. Yeah. But the thing that gets me, this is nearly 800 people who get to vote on our laws and legislation despite never being elected. And there was me thinking we hated unelected bureaucrats. Yeah. Gemma, eh? Eh? Exactly. But... I looked into this because, you know, we keep falling down the rabbit hole. That's what you do. That's why my relationship, my marriage is on the brink because I'm just constantly <laughs> ignoring my husband and looking at this stuff. Basically. I'm Googling lords. Be quiet. <laughs> I know. The other day I came back from playing tennis and I said to him, um, how was tennis? And I don't even listen to the answer. I'm just like thinking about, like, I don't know, Lord Moylion or something stupid like <laughs> that. Just but I looked into this and I couldn't believe how it got to this overinflated number in the Lords. And do you know what? We can't just blame the Tories for this shit. Tony no. Blair appointed 374 Lords in his tenure, te- tenure. Gordon Brown, because it was a shorter tenure, but also because we, we love him. He only appointed 34. 244 appointed by David Cameron. And now, bear in mind, Johnson was PM for five bloody minutes. He's already given peerages to 86 people, mm. including Lebedev. This is the, the son of an ex-KGB, Russian KGB agent. Very appropriate. And as well as a load of Brexiteers and his own, Jerry gave a peerage to his own brother. His brother. His brother. And now he's planning another 36 peerages, which includes... Nadine bleeding dories. Oh no, it's a bloody joke. And yeah, it's interesting because there have been times over the last five years when the Lords has been the only thing that has stopped some absolute, some mad legislation going through. They've sort Mm. of provided checks and balances. And I do believe that you still need some kind of chamber, but as you say, not stuffed full of inadequates and this sort of hereditary peerages and just anybody you bloody fancy mm-hmm. and anybody who's given you a bribe and, you know, it it, it, it should be elected, maybe. Yeah. 
or it should be members of the public, like jury service. I don't know, let's think out the box, but it shouldn't be what it is. It needs reform, but there needs to be something, I believe, in case you get a rogue in again. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody was as convinced. Ian Dunn t- tweeted that it wasn't the priority. He said, of all the shit in Westminster that needs fixing, the House of Lords is at the bottom of the list. It's the one place in which the government is defeated. And more importantly, the one place the government is prepared to admit where it's wrong. Hmm. No, I I disagree. And I like Ian. I agree with lots of what he tweets. But I disagree there because, yes, some awful bills do get defeated in the House of Lords, but so many don't. I mean, look at things like like Rwanda, for example. Mm. And the reason they don't is because there is now a growing Tory peer majority because of these shameful Tory crony appointments, which we need to stop. And in fact, I had a really good chat with uh, Bonnie Greer, the activist and... um, I think she's a playwright as oh, well. She's brilliant, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. And she articulates things beautifully. Because I was saying, we were talking about the monarchy, and people know that I'm not a monarchist, and I, I don't like the idea of it, and I don't like why they've given all this power, and not power, but, you know, respect and what have you. But um, she said, don't worry about the royal family. You should worry about the lords. That's the real royal family in this country, because they have power. They mm. vote on our laws. And yeah. this is why I think we really need to be cautious here. Yeah, let's face it, none of us want Nadine Dorries thinking anything on our behalves. Okay, World Cup is up. It's all kicking off, literally kicking off. A little football oh, pun there. there. Very good. Yeah, see what I did? In um, old guitar. And um, a tweet from my new favourite account, at pimp. Very small followers amount. I think he's brilliant. Go and follow him at Heapim, only if you've got a stupid sense of humour like me. And he wrote, pre-World Cup, pundits and players supposedly wrestling with their consciences before finally deciding... We're gonna do it anyway. 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 Hello, Barry. It's Barry again. Barry's like our troll mascot, isn't he? Gotta love Barry. If we have Christmas drinks, it'll be me, you, Sean, and we should see if we can get Barry along. Barry's real name is is Sean, Sean. I think. Oh, yeah. Two Seans. Two Seans. Yeah. Fabulous man. Um, In fact, the other day, someone, I think it was uh, Lad Bible, were like, name a celebrity that everybody loves. David Attenborough was getting a lot of, like, um, mentions. And I just put Barry from EastEnders. Ofs. (laughs) Anyway, there was a a, a big headline in the mail just before the World Cup started. Fan fury as Qatar royals ban beer, which isn't a massive Mm. shock in a country like that. (laughs) And Sophia Jetta, who is very strange handle at where underscore co underscore de underscore co flipping it, said... The thing that really threatens the World Cup in Qatar isn't outrage over human rights and dead migrant workers. It's Dave and Klaus not getting any beer, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And then Aid Thompson, our mate at Aid Thompson, said, I don't mind if they come here, but why don't they integrate? (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Do you know the thing that's interesting about this, though, is that the Qatari government or officials and FIFA well, certainly the Qatar would have known about the whole beer thing ages ago. They would have known yeah. also about the One Love armband oh. ages ago. And yet they chose to withdraw or impose sanctions on it within 48 hours of kickoff, which a Doha insider apparently says is a great big F you to the West. 
done on purpose. Because what's what's FIFA going to do? What are they going to do? Well, oh god, we we can't hold it there now. Well, uh, turn back. We're oh, but FIFA home. are so corrupt. There's a four part series on Netflix. I'm just sort of diving into at the moment, and you think the corruption corruption here mm. is bad? Flipping mm. heck! And it's really interesting because. You think about football, the beautiful game and the roots of it. And you think in a romantic way of kids kicking a ball about in Brazil in the streets or in Italy in the parks or in Britain, you know, standing on the sidelines, cheering your little kids on playing. And and, and, then, and then how it becomes a passion and your team and your community and all of those things. And then mm. the umbrella of FIFA is just rank. And as soon as politicians and money and corporate greed and I'm just, the more I think about certain aspects of capitalism and how fucking screwed society is, it's so gross. Anyway. It ruins everything. They ruin everything. The few ruin everything for the majority, don't they? Yeah. There's so many walks of life. But back to the True. tweets. One from Jeff Norcott. He said, trying to imagine me explaining to my 2010 self that one day Harry Kane would be at the centre of an international row about LGBT rights. <laughs> I know. I do feel sorry for the footballers having to mm. sort of... Because, you know, they're sort of like concentrating on the biggest games of their life, thinking, oh, do I wear the... What do, what do I do? You know, and some of them aren't necessarily going to be equipped to sort of like, they just all tell me what to do. I don't know. Yeah, and Alex, I think it, the onus being on them is a bit much, isn't it? Like... Yeah. Uh, because they get booked. They're basically going to get booked if they the captains were. So I think Gareth Bale... isn't the point that every single team should have said as a finger up to FIFA, oh, fuck off, we're all just going to wear them. You're going to yeah, give every done single it as player a, a yellow absolutely. card. But they yeah. didn't. There wasn't that mobilisation. So it would have ended up being, I don't know, whoever the first team to play was, if they did it, then the first two captains would have been been sanctioned. And then, I don't know. So it just, it had to be... But that that's possibly why they did it 48 hours before. Ah, yeah, yeah. So they they can't mobilize. Yeah, we should go out there and do that for them. That bit mobilization. Yeah, we're good at that. Yeah, mobilization. I don't know what that looks like, but anyway. (laughs) Um, So there has been so much joy on Twitter. Like obviously the Martin Daubney bit um, earlier on that we've spoken about before. Fabulous, Joe Lysett. Another great Twitter highlight for me. So we spoke about this in a recent episode of the pod. Um, As you know, Joe Lysett basically was taking David Beckham to task, wasn't he? And he was saying, if you accept this 15 million pounds from the Qatari state, I'm going to shred 10 grand, right? So basically, I then watched the follow-up video where he appeared to put 10,000 pounds into the shredder. And I can only go on what I feel. And I wrote a very balanced, nuanced tweet, you know, because I'm not completely tribal, saying I really, I love, I'm a huge fan of Joe Lysett, because I am. And I love what he's trying to say here. And I also appreciate that when you're an activist, you have to make waves and you have to shock, but it doesn't sit right with me. And it would be so brilliant if he came out later and said that that money wasn't real. Because I'd only watched flipping children in need the other day and 10 grand can do so much good and it and there were so many interesting reactions though and really intelligent reactions to my tweet that I really took on board and I agreed with lots of them with lots of people saying you know look for 10 grand you can't buy that kind of PR and if you were with an ad agency or it's his money and blah 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 blah. anyway at Russian p-tape wrote Money has no intrinsic value until it's spent. It's a construct for exchanging time and effort. Joe Lysett presumably earned the money through work, so he essentially worked for free in order to make a moral point, and that's his prerogative. Mm. And he also got 10 grand's worth of publicity. But you see, Marina, I was thinking about this emotionally. So Mm. rationally, I agreed with everybody, but emotionally, I didn't, because I'm like, but 
but you could help some homeless people and you could give that to a hospice or whatever. Uh, at Danster62 said, he caused much consternation at dinner the other night. I was the only member of the family that wasn't critical of the stunt. And having said that, my wife suggested that he'd have been better off saying, I won't donate 10k to charity. If you go, that's your choice. And then lastly, Lorna McIlivray, hope I've pronounced that right, Lorna, said, I feel we should be horrified at Joe Lysett destroying £10,000, but then understand David Beckham doesn't need the £15 million that he's getting. And that hypocrisy is where the anger should be directed. Mm. Do you know what I think was really powerful is is that we saw it. We saw visually what shredding £10,000 would look like and we felt it. It just feels wrong, doesn't it? But I think that's... Imagine if we could... That's what the opposition should do. This is what Labour should do, actually, in the run-up to the election. They should get pretend money. I know what does what does forty-two billion pounds look like? For example, that was what the Tories spent on the Brexit divorce bill, the withdrawal agreement, right? What does that look like? How many rooms does that fill? And then put that through a shredder. Maybe that will hit home for people. What do you reckon, Gemma? We should be doing Labour's campaign. It's a Mm. great campaign idea. In Mm. fact, led by donkeys. We should be in touch with them. That's the kind of stunt that they would do. But then there was a plot twist. So I just sent this tweet out and then came the most recent Joe Lysett video. Have a little listen. I would never destroy real money. I would never be so irresponsible. In fact, the 10 grand had already been donated to LGBTQ plus charities before I even pressed send on the initial tweet last week. I never expected to hear from you. It was an empty threat designed to get people talking. In many ways, it was like your deal with Qatar, David. Total bullshit from the start. Yay! It was like a happy ending. I was aligned with Joe and I felt so pleased. Genius move. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Super clever. So Joe Lysett made his point, did good for the world, um, got everybody talking. Absolute winner. can't not talk about Elon Musk on this week's trawl, or as he's become widely known on Twitter, (laughs) Space Karen. (laughs) (laughs) So he's been threatening to fire people, then he's withdrawing that threat, then he's locking people out of the Twitter office, then he's realising he's also locked himself out of the office. It's insane, to which Michael Spicer tweeted, I'll be honest, I'm not sure I'd want to get in a rocket made by this guy. (laughs) And I know more and more of us are checking out and getting confused by Mastodon. I mean, is Mm. that even how you say it? What a shit name. Yeah, it needs a whole rebrand, doesn't it? To the point where people took to Twitter to say their goodbyes um, should the platform collapse, which it hasn't done yet, which all felt a bit surreal and a little bit, I thought, a little bit self-indulgent, which is why this tweet by the volatile mermaid at OnoshiTwint had me giggling. Uh, They tweeted, Twitter this morning feels like that story about how a plane was crashing and everyone on the flight started masturbating, but then it landed safely and everyone was alive, (laughs) awkwardly zipping up their pants. (laughs) That's absolutely great. And I also love this one by writer Sam Adler-Bell, who said, Say what you will about Elon's management style, 
But before he took over, all you guys posted was, ugh, another day on this hell site. And now you're all like, oh, Twitter, extraordinary place where I met all my best friends, started my career, had sex for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. I'm going to put it out there. I'd be absolutely gutted. I'll be gutted if it goes down, Marina. It's my favourite social media platform. I get way more out of it than I sort of feel negativity. Don't you? Uh, I completely agree. It's my source of news as well. And source yeah. of so many. It's how I formulate my opinions. You know, it's um, there are so many wonderful takes. It makes me laugh. It informs me. Yeah, I'd be It's gutted. a very useful resource as well. It's like if you're going on a show and you want to see what everyone's saying about fracking, just put fracking in. There it is. And yep. it's, the point is it's not your echo chamber. It's not your Auntie Liz and your, your mate up the road. You can look at, anyway, we all know you this. You know my Auntie Liz. Yeah, how is she? <laughs> how is she doing? No, I don't. Uh, oh, Auntie Liz. No. Uh, right, I'm going to do not just underrated tweet of the week this week. I'm going to do underrated tweeter because I mentioned him before. He did the funny little clip that mm. we played earlier with Barry. I uh, just every now and again, you come across an account and I was really laughing and I sent it to you, Marina, didn't I? Did it make you laugh? Oh, a lot of his stuff made me laugh. I went through his feed and a lot of it's not all political, by the way, and a lot no. of it is brilliant. There was, a, oh, in fact, no, just go and do it. The one yeah, about Shirley from so EastEnders, that one got me. That one was funny. And he uses a lot of like memes of like Rishi Sunak looking confused, but it's the captions that are funny. So mm. his his Twitter handle is at HePimp and the name on the handle is Cramerica Industries at HePimp. Anyway, this is the tweet that I picked out as tweet of the week. So the caption said, when I walk past someone's house and they're sitting around relaxing with the big light on. This is obviously a very, very sick individual or maybe individual. Ha <laughs> ha, joy. My dad would relate to that. My dad's like, put the side lights on, side lights. He literally thinks you're just insane if you put I, the overhead lights on. I'm the on. same. I'm all about ambiance. Oh, ambiance. Oh, I, I need can't it more relax. and more now. So I'm, well. like, I'm, a fair, I'm a sucker for a fairy night. Oh. <laughs> my, my husband was rushing to get out of the door the other day and I was feeding my little one and I was, I was sedentary. I was sat down and he was rushing and I was like, can you just, before you go, he's like, what do you need? I was like, can you put the fairy lights on? He's like, what? Why is that a priority when I'm rushing? I'm like, it's for ambiance. <laughs> this is why we're friends because I absolutely love a fairy light. I love a candle and I love a side light. So yeah, it's it, and it's it's such an easy thing to do. You can transform any dingy old shithole if you put a string of fairy lights up. Suddenly, it's which a my place paradise. is at the moment because I'm living in a building site. Oh yeah, you just hang in there. You're doing so well. Just keep the biscuits and the tea going to the builders. Stick the old fairy lights up before you <laughs> know it. You'll be uh, back to a bit of calm. Right, it's pudding time, and this week we've got the brilliant comedian Mr. Michael Spicer. He's famous for doing his room next doors, where basically he pretends to be in the ears of politicians who are making their mad speeches and today's a victim if you like is the president of fifa mr giovanni infantino here he is mr michael spicer today today i feel uh qatari uh, okay that that's baffling but but nice i, I suppose today i feel arab right C- could you sort of speed towards the point today i feel uh Gay. I, as in happy, yes. Today I feel disabled. Do you feel like a Burke yet? Because honestly, I... Today I feel... I'm sorry, how many, how many more people do you feel like? 
only we're running out of time here. And despite the fact that you do feel like all of these groups, you still seem to be acting very much like a tone-deaf millionaire president of a corrupt football organisation. I feel uh, a migrant worker. Why? Are you only on 45p an hour too? I'm not really a migrant worker. You're not really making any sense either. All you're doing is being weird and insensitive to all the people that Qatar discriminates against. They need a voice of reassurance right now, not some potty cartoon earthworm having an identity crisis. But I feel like them because I know what it means to be discriminated. Oh, poor you. Have your servants been talking about you behind your back again? Has your butler laid out the wrong socks just once too often? At school, I was bullied because I had uh, red hair. Not quite the same as slavery, but okay. Mr. President, please look on the next page, okay? That's the speech I have written for you. You started your speech today by saying that today you feel like a Qatari. No, no, no not the questions yet. Read my speech. You didn't say that you feel like a woman. What is he, Shania Twain? Are you not happy with the fact that he's humiliated himself about 17 times already today? Is that not good enough for you? Mr. President, please read my speech. Now, I forgot. I feel like a woman. No! I'm yeah, sorry. I, I feel like a woman. God damn it! Every time, I just cannot get him to read my speech. It's, it's just an impossible level. I'm gonna make a cup of tea.